You're listening to Flaunt, Find Your Sparkle and Create a Life You Love After Infidelity or Betrayal. Have you been betrayed by life, your body, or someone that you love? You're not alone. No matter what you've been through, Naked Self-Worth helps you regain confidence, joy, and enthusiasm so you can create a life you love and flourish. Tune in weekly and learn how. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Have you been struggling lately? Relationship issues impact every area of your life. When I found out about my husband's infidelity, I was so devastated. I could barely function. Sleeping was impossible because I couldn't shut off my brain. Eating was a challenge because I felt nauseous all the time. And for the first month or so, everything felt pointless. Whether you're having trouble sleeping, feeling hopeless, or just can't focus, BetterHelp is here to help you. BetterHelp offers licensed therapists who are trained to listen and help. You can talk to your therapist in a private, online environment at your convenience. There's a broad range of expertise in BetterHelp's 20,000-plus therapist network that gives you access to help that might not be available in your area. Just fill out a questionnaire to help assess your specific needs, and then you'll be matched with a therapist in under 24 hours. Then you can schedule secure video and phone sessions. Plus, you can exchange unlimited messages, and everything you share is completely confidential. I know that confidentiality was important for me, especially early on when I couldn't even get my own mind wrapped around what was happening. And it was so comforting to be able to speak with someone candidly about everything I was going through, to validate that what I was feeling and experiencing was completely normal. You can request a new therapist at no additional charge anytime. Join the 2 million plus people who have taken charge of their mental health with an experienced BetterHelp therapist. Special offer to flaunt, create a life you love after infidelity and betrayal listeners. You get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash flaunt. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash flaunt, F-L-A-U-N-T. Thanks again to BetterHelp for sponsoring this podcast. Hello and welcome to Flaunt. Find your sparkle and create a life you love after infidelity or betrayal. I'm Laura Cheadle, and I work with women who have been betrayed by their intimate partner and are really desperately ready to move through the grief, through the pain, through the confusion and the devastation, and to get to the other side, to get to the other side where they can actually start feeling good and moving on with their life, where they're not controlled by obsessive thoughts or overwhelming emotion or just that horrible belief that they've done something wrong or that they are not worthy, that there is somehow to blame for their partner's infidelity. If that sounds like you, if you are somebody who's like, I 
have got to move on. I am so sick of feeling like this. Then please reach out. You can start by going to betrayalrecoveryguide.com and downloading your free betrayal recovery guide. From there, reach out to me. We can set up a phone call, just a 30-minute call or a Zoom. You can share a little bit more about yourself and your situation and what you want on the other side of this journey. I can share with you some of the things that I did in recovering from my husband's infidelity. And together, we can figure out what your most immediate next step might be. But for today, for this show, we are going to talk about something that comes up all the time with the women that I work with. And that is how to help somebody that you love without losing yourself. Your partner has cheated. You are completely devastated. And now maybe, perhaps, you're talking again. Whether it's just to co-parent and to manage things, or maybe you're thinking about actually coming together to get again in your relationship. You're talking. He's sorry. He realizes that he's got a lot of work to do, both on himself and in the marriage, which is great because that's ultimately what you want too. You want your partner to heal. Maybe because it'll make them better partner for you. Maybe because it'll make them a better parent for your kids. And also, maybe because you do love them. You've loved them for a long time. And even though this horrible thing has happened, you still feel love for them. And ultimately, you know their pain and you know their hangups and you want what's best for them. So yes, you do want them to heal. But now, as part of that healing, you are being asked to hold space for them, to be patient and understanding for what they're going through, for all of this inner child work and these realizations. And and now they have to decide if they want to be married or if they don't want to be married and, and what they want to do and all of this stuff. And it can really tick a person off. I know it ticked me off. More often than I really care to admit, it ticked me off. But it was like, you're kidding me. I was the victim here. I was cheated on. I had the rug pulled out from under me. And now I have to be the bigger person. And I have to help support you through your therapy, through unearthing your trauma, I have to sit here and be patient while you learn to manage your anger and express your emotions in different ways. Are you kidding me? What about me? What about me? It's been about you all along. I have always been suppressed and have had my needs put in last place. And are you kidding me? 
Now, in order for me to get what I want, you're saying that I have to be patient with you? Maybe you can relate to that because it's not a pretty place to be in. And it brings up a lot of conflicting emotions. Because like I said, in my situation, maybe in yours, do I want my partner to heal? Oh my God, yes. Do I want him to do this work that he hasn't done for the past 50 years? Oh my God, yes. But it can also feel really, really unfair that now I have to help him manage his healing and I have to support him through that when really I was the one that was hurt. It's not fair. So if you have ever said to yourself or thought to yourself, how much more can I take? Or how much more can I or should I be investing in this relationship? How much should I be investing in a relationship where somebody has already proven themselves to be a little bit untrustworthy? How much is enough? How much is too much? Where do I need to step up and muscle through and give? And where do I need to uh, 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 put a firm boundary, save myself and get out and let them do themselves and let you do yourself. Now, there's no easy answer to any of these questions. And every relationship and person and situation is different. But in today's show, we're going to talk through some of the concerns, some of the questions, some of the thoughts, some of the situations. We're going to give you plenty of stuff to chew on, to mull over, You're going to get some really juicy aha moments. So the next time something comes up and you think, whoa, 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 that is so not fair. You will be more able to protect yourself, to understand what's going on and to make choices that will support both you, your partner, and your relationship. Again, in whatever capacity that relationship looks, whether it's a marriage, recreating a marriage, whether it's just learning how to co-parent or how to divorce well, or whether it's just separating and walking away, that's what we're going to talk about today. Now, I want to start by saying it's an art. Understanding your feelings Understanding where you're giving too much, where you're giving too little, where you need to step up and where you need to step back is an art. It's not a science. And as you are navigating this journey, you will make mistakes. And that is totally okay. And it's totally expected. You're supposed to be making mistakes. Because how would you know? How would you know what to do? This is such uncharted territory. To begin, what you really need to do is be aware of where you stop and where the other person begins. 
And while that might sound kind of easy, like, well, I know who I am and I know who they are, in reality, it's not. When you've been with someone, when you're intimately involved with someone, when you've been married with to somebody or in a relationship with somebody, it's so easy to lose track of who you are and who they are. And it is a constant balance. And I do want to say at the outset that it can get frustrating and it can be very lonely. And it's supposed to be. So if you're feeling a little resentful or angry or like it's not fair or totally frustrated or like you're the only person in the world who's gone through this, please know you are most definitely not alone. And that everything we talk about today is going to help. Because not only am I going to give you things that I want you to think about, but I'm also going to give you a couple of things to let go of and to stop worrying about. One of those things that I want you to stop worrying about right here, right now, is whether or not you're codependent. Codependency is such a big trigger word, and it gets thrown around a lot in a fair recovery. And while, yes, some people are codependent, and yes, you might be codependent, codependency can also be really overrated and overused. A codependent relationship is an enmeshed relationship where you don't know where you stop and the other person begins, where your identity depends on them. When you truly identify as his wife or his partner or their mom, and where everything that you do is truly the focus of serving them, Or you feel like you might die without them because if they weren't there, you wouldn't have your footing. You wouldn't know what to do. Where you truly are living for another person. So yes, that could be you. That's a real thing. But at the same time, what I want you to know is that there are times in life, in relationships, where codependency is actually normal and healthy. For example, if somebody is sick, if somebody is dying of cancer, it's a short-term situation and you're leaning in and you're not taking care of yourself. Because the situation requires it. My husband's brother died of cancer in his early 40s. During that 18-month period, everything revolved around him. His wife, his kids, his family, his friends. Every relationship presented almost as a codependent relationship because everything was done for him because it was necessary. 
And sometimes when you're moving through infidelity and betrayal, it's okay to move through phases of codependency. When you're recovering, when you need help, if your spouse cheated because of some significant trauma in their past, and all of a sudden it's being unearthed, and they do need you, your relationship might become temporarily more codependent, and that's okay. Think about it in terms of overall picture, overall relationship. Another way that we tend to be codependent sometimes is when we're moms. When we've got several kids or kids with high needs or just kids, all of a sudden we have to serve their needs. It's not that it's really a codependent relationship. It's necessary because they're your kids and they have needs and you do lose your identity and that's normal, not necessarily healthy, but it's normal. And it's normal to recognize that relationships can become and do become and will become codependent sometimes depending on what's going on. And that it doesn't mean you're broken or you're bad or, oh my God, I'm codependent. It just might mean that you have fallen into some bad habits. So let go of any stress around like a diagnosis of being codependent and all of that. Sometimes labels help and sometimes it is just too much stress. And for a purpose of today's show, it's too much stress. So just let it go. Okay, now that I've told you what to let go of, I'm going to tell you a couple things that I want you to lean into. I want you to lean into yourself and I want you to lean into your partner. Because it always begins with you. Because we're born alone, we die alone, because we're the only one who knows how it feels to be in our body. I want to start with you. Being hyper aware of how you feel really helps you love someone or help someone through something without losing yourself. And again, like I said at the beginning, it's an art. It's not a science. It's knowing where you stop and where they begin. But you do that by becoming hyper aware of how you feel. Overall, not just in an exhausted moment after a horrible week, or in an elated moment after holidays or a great anniversary trip, but overall, how are you feeling? Ask yourself, do I feel okay? If you're feeling mostly on the upper end of things, pretty good, pretty positive, pretty happy, then you're doing fine. Keep going. But notice when you start feeling on the lower end of those emotions, depleted, resentful, angry, used, taken advantage of. And if your feelings are kind of on that lower end, it's a signal 
that you need to change, that you are giving too much to them and not enough to yourself. Which leads right into the next thing. What does it mean to give to yourself? What does it mean to take care of yourself? We don't even know. Most of the people that I work with don't know because we have been culturally conditioned not to take care of ourselves. If you're anything like me, the role models that you had growing up were women that self-sacrificed, were women that overgave and didn't put up clear boundaries, were role models that didn't honor themselves or take care of themselves, or spend money on themselves, or time for themselves, but who gave and gave and gave and gave. Which is sometimes hard then when we're trying to figure out how to do it, how does it look? Because we don't have a role model, and because society tells us we're selfish, we're spendthrifts, we're gold diggers, when we actually take care of ourselves, or worse, we're selfish bitches. Because we say no. And you know, there is no easy way to get through that except being very clear about your reasons for what you need and making sure that you don't get stuck in the trap of justifying it. If you need a night away, if you need silence, you need it. You don't have to explain why or justify it. If you can't take something one more day, then don't. The trap we fall into is trying to prove to other people why we can't take it one more day, why it's not fair. Why does it matter? Why does it matter? You don't need to ask for it. You don't need to prove it to anybody. You just need to honor yourself enough to take it. And let me tell you, that is so hard. Until it's not. It's so hard. Until you battle it down in yourself one or two times and you realize, oh, I'm in charge of me. I'm not a little girl who has to ask for permission. I am an adult woman. I have sovereignty. I have free will. And I can do what I need because I need it. And then suddenly, it becomes easy. Now, if you need a little help getting there, I'll give you some things that might help. First of all, when we give too much, we burn out. And then when we burn out, we can't give. If you're a giver and you love to give, the most important thing you can do is take care of yourself so you don't burn out. Because if you burn out, there's no chance at restructuring your relationship. There is no chance at building romance because you're exhausted. And then you become a martyr. And nobody likes a martyr because martyrs aren't fun to be with. And then what happens is you can get all of this pride built up, pride in being a victim. I did all of this and do you know what he did to me? 
He didn't even appreciate it. And I made this big dinner and then I took him to therapy and I found this new group and he didn't even go. And do you know what that behavior is, that pride, that martyr complex? That's an excuse that we create when we don't have the courage to just do our own work. When we don't have the courage to stop explaining it and to stop seeking to please and to just grow up and take care of ourselves. And I know that might feel like an ouch slap in the face. She just told me to grow up and take care of myself. But yeah, isn't that hard? It's hard to sometimes grow up and take care of yourself. And I'm saying that with love and understanding because I have been there too. And I still fall into that sometimes. Have you ever had a really hard time just deciding for yourself. I have. I think about all the other people that I need to please. I think about what people will think. I think about that judgment. But when it really comes down to it, we are the only person that we need to please, especially when we care about somebody else. So if you want to help somebody that you love through something big, you've got to get really selfish about yourself because otherwise you won't be there for them because you'll be burned out. You'll be in this victim-y place. You'll be all martyry and icky and you won't be able to do it. A great question to ask yourself. And I do mean ask yourself this question often. You could even put it down on a sticky note and stick it on your mirror or stick it in your car or stick it in your calendar. Is what is this costing me? What is my behavior costing me? What is it costing me in terms of time or money or energy or emotion? If you're keyed up and angry all the time, it's costing you your happiness. It's costing you your peace. Is it worth it? Is it worth your peace? Is doing all of this for another person worth your peace? None of us know how many years we've got left. None of us know the future. All we have is today and now and this moment. And yes, it's okay to buckle down and to go through some hard times. But really, what is that costing you? My affair recovery journey cost me a lot of time. I'm five years out now. I really feel like it cost me four good years of work. It cost me a lot of money. I did it all. I bought all the books. I did all the seminars. I did coaching. I've done counseling. We've done programs. It cost a lot of energy. We had a hard time working and functioning and coping and parenting and just showing up in life. It cost a ton of energy. 
and it caused a lot of emotion. It brought up so much stuff that we each had to resolve, that I had to resolve, that he had to resolve, that I had to hold space for while he resolved. But here's the thing. Even though it was costing me all of those things, there was this deep satisfaction. My future self of a heal, whole, healthy person kept calling me forward. Just do this, Laura. Do the work now. While you are crumbled, while you are falling apart, now is the time. You're never going to have this opportunity again to be completely crumbled and to rebuild your identity. To rebirth yourself. To recreate self-worth based on who you are. You're never going to have this opportunity again, Laura. So yes, it's costing you time. It's costing you money. It's costing you energy. It's costing emotion. But look at what you're getting. You're moving forward. You're making progress. You're feeling better. Overall, you're feeling better. Which is an entirely different experience than earlier in my marriage when the cheating was going on, but I wasn't aware of it. When I thought my husband just had these weird anger issues and was emotionally avoidant and not connected, that was costing me my self-worth. Staying in that marriage I was feeling, starting to feel a little bit timid. I was feeling kind of abused and put upon and taken advantage of. I would sometimes have these thoughts like, how many years should I stay in this? Are the good times really worth the bad times? Is it worth it going to bed feeling lonely in my own home? feeling disconnected, feeling sad. And sometimes I would look at my future self and I would feel sorry for her because I think, gosh, she's this beautiful, kind, loving woman who's really working hard and she's not getting what she deserves. And you know, had I not found out about the cheating, had we not had the gift of this experience, I'm not sure if I would have stayed in my marriage because it was costing me too much. There was too much pain and it was costing me my sense of joy and happiness and peace. And that wouldn't have been worth it. And that's just my experience. But what is yours? What is it costing you to help your partner through? What is it costing you to wait for them to decide? What is it costing you to be in a state of anger and revenge and hatred? What is it costing you to be broken? What is it costing you? 
time, money, energy, emotion. And most importantly, what is it doing to your future self? Are you building your future self through this experience, gaining wisdom and strength and courage? Or are you losing yourself? Because when I was talking about my husband's brother passing away from cancer, and how I shared that we all kind of resorted to codependent type behaviors because of what was going on. Okay, during those 18 months, it was costing us time away from work, from our families, from ourselves. It was costing a ton of money flying back and forth and trying to take care of things. It was costing energy. It was costing a lot of emotions. To try to connect with somebody knowing that it could be the end is a really emotional thing. And it was awful. And there was nothing positive in terms of the time, money, emotion, or energy that we were investing. But it was beautiful. We were investing those things and it was costing us because we knew it was the right thing to do because we felt connected to it. We knew it was the right thing to do. So it was worth the cost. Versus doing all of that for a partner who's not fully committed. For a partner who is continuing to lie. For a relationship that you might not even really want, even if you get through the healing. So it's time to get really honest about what it is costing you and how you're feeling. I also want you to really think about your judgments around what's going on. Because anytime we feel angry or like it's not fair, what's really going on is we are judging that person or the situation. Anytime you are unsatisfied with anything with another person, it means that you're judging them. We all like to say that we don't judge people, but we do. We all judge people. That's just a human nature thing. But we're judging them as weak or not moving fast enough or not doing enough. How are you judging them? And that's something only you can answer. But when you feel like it's not fair, how are you judging them? Are you judging them as hurting you? Compromising yourself to help another is never okay. We have responsibility for ourselves only. And when we choose to help another person or to support another person, it's that awareness of where we end and they begin that's important. So that way you're aware of what it's costing you and what's going on and how much you can give 
and where you need to pull back. Now, another thing that I hear women that I coach say all the time when they're overgiving, when they're doing everything, they're finding therapy for their partner, they're finding great counselors, they're asking to be involved, they're buying books, they're doing seminars, they're asking me if I can coach with their partner. One of the things they say to me a lot is, it's just me. This is just who I am. I'm just such a loving person. I'm such a caring, giving person. Mm. I always, always, always push back on that. And here's why. It's not that I don't doubt you're a caring, giving person. But it's not who you are. It is not who you are or how you are. It's that you've been conditioned to believe that you must do that in order to be loved, that you must do that in order to be accepted, in order to be a good woman, in order to be a worthy wife, because you want to be the hero, because you want to be revered or looked up to. And again, that sounds like a slap in the face, but it's the truth of the matter. We all want to be the good little girl. We all want to be seen and recognized and loved. We all want to be clapped for to get that gold star. We just do. And then it feels good. It feels so good when somebody says, you saved my life. And we go, oh. But that's such a slippery slope. Because does it really feel good? Does it really feel good? Or does the award feel good? Does the accolade feel good? A way to tell the difference is if you're truly feeling lit up from within, if you truly crave doing these kinds of things for people, it can be in your value system. It can be who you are. But if you start feeling drained or resentful that you gave and that you weren't recognized, then the truth is you probably have an ulterior motive. Because you are attached to the outcome. You're making the good dinner because you want people to say, oh my God, you're such a good cook. And that if people say, ugh, that was horrible, not my thing, you are not a good cook, that it'll hurt your feelings. It's how can you do the action and not really be attached to the outcome? If you truly are loving and giving and want to say, that's just who I am, then you can love and you can give and it won't matter if your partner stays or goes or chooses the other woman or finds a whole other other woman. It won't matter because you truly love loving and you truly love giving and you truly love supporting. And if you truly love supporting them and they get healed and they realized you are not the relationship that I want, then you will be okay with that because you'll be able to say, yes, I am a giver and a supporter and I helped them heal and I helped them move through their addiction or their childhood trauma. And because of that, they now realize who they want is not me. And I'm okay with that. I'm happy with that. 
because I got them to where they need to be. So often we confuse helping and inspiration. When you help somebody, too often you're taking over for them. I will find the therapist. I will make the appointment. I will manage this. I will whatever. Take care of the alcohol. Take care of the cigarettes. I will check your phone. I will do the work. And we think that's helping, but really that's over-functioning and that's managing and that's control. Where what we're really wanting when we're truly in a place of unconditional acceptance is inspiration. I want to inspire you to be the best person that you can be. You want to inspire your partner to be the best person that they can be. You want to inspire them to be healthy and whole and complete. You want to inspire them to deal with all of the problems that led with the affair. You don't want to fix the problems or force them into fixing the problems. You want to inspire them to take care of themselves. You want to lift them up and empower them, but you don't want to do it for them. And that's where, in today's discussion, we're going to switch from you to them. You is about being aware of how you feel. How do you really feel? Is it just your cultural conditioning? Or are you like, yes, I am in this state of just inspiration and I want them to be the best version of themselves, no matter what they choose. I don't have an attachment to the outcome. I feel good. It's not really costing me anything because I have enough time and money and energy and my emotions are really calm and I'm feeling really good. That's all the you work. Now we're going to go to the them work. Because like I said, it's that inspiration. It's not your job to convince them that they are right or wrong. It's not your job to share your judgment of them or to have them even understand the way that you're judging them. We all have different realities. Everybody on the planet has a different reality and a different perspective, and that is actually completely normal. It's not normal to have the same experience because you can't. Think about crime scenes when witnesses are describing what happened, whether it's a car accident or a bank robbery or anything like that. Everybody's description is different. Sure, there's some common denominators and some similarities, But people will swear up and down that they saw what they saw and they know what they know. And everybody believes they're right. Nobody is lying. It's just that they all have different realities. If you have siblings, talk about your memories of growing up or of a certain holiday. You're going to have different experiences. And knowing that your partner had a different experience too is really important. 
you can't heal them. You can't convince them that what they did was right or wrong or good or bad. You can't let them know that they have an addiction or that they have trauma or that they are a narcissist or anything. You can see all that and you can believe all that. And they can see something totally different and they can believe something totally different. And your only job is to let them have their reality and to let you have your reality. As part of that, it's really important for us to understand that what they are saying is true. To not discount what they're saying or to correct it, or to overthink it and give it more meaning than it has. If your partner is back with you and is truly working towards some kind of reconciliation, listen to their language. If they're telling you they need time or space, don't overthink it. Don't think that it means anything other than, I need more time or space. If they say they're having a hard time deciding, don't start thinking, is it me? Is it her? Is it because of this? It means that they need more time. Believe what they're saying. Believe their perspective. When people truly are wanting to heal and they're doing the work and they need support from the people around them, their language is usually pretty honest because it comes from the subconscious. And if they say I'm lost or I'm confused or whatever, they are. Just listen. Don't discount or convince or overthink, but just listen and accept. Accept that that's where they're at right now. Because bottom line you can either accept where they're at right now, and then you can all move, move forward from that place, or you cannot accept where they're at, and the only thing that's going to happen is you're going to make yourself crazy. Because when you don't accept where somebody is at, what you do is you try to lean in, you try to speed up, you try to make decisions, you try to help out, and oh my gosh, the more you push, the slower it goes. None of us can force another person to have an aha moment. We can facilitate. We can inspire. We can listen. We can hold space. We can bite our own tongue. And most importantly, when we're frustrated, when we're frustrated, when we're wanting to push them, when we're wanting to do more, when we're wanting them to read faster and process more quickly, that is the biggest sign that it's time for us to turn that mirror around and to figure out what we can do for ourselves. It could be some healing, but it could just be some fun. Maybe it's time to start running again. Maybe it's time to plant a garden or take up yoga or crochet a sweater. When you start tuning in, and taking care of yourself, and just letting them be where they're at. And then letting yourself be where you're at. What you're doing is you're inspiring them. You are inspiring them to move forward because they can see your peace. 
They can see that it's not costing you your sanity. It's not costing you your peace. And then they can go, oh, I want to be where they're at. I want to be in that place of having some fun and self-soothing and caring about how I feel. I want to be there too. That might mean that I need to read more quickly or carve out some more time or actually make some counseling appointments or find a new coach. Now, it's okay to remind them of good times, to remind them of things that they love, of good things that you've experienced. That's the inspiration piece. It's good to have empathy, to remember a time that you were stuck, you might feel stuck now. But to remember a time when other people were waiting on you and you just weren't ready. Or when you had a big decision to make and you knew you needed to make it, but you also knew you weren't really ready to make it and you were just uh, hemming and hawing. To have some empathy for that. But just back off and do you. Because where we get in trouble in helping somebody else through is when we really start over-functioning. Because when we over-function and do more, the other person begins to under-function and do less. Because why should they do more if you're already doing it all? It's like if you cook breakfast every day, why would somebody else get up and cook breakfast? If you make a full course meal every evening, why would somebody else come in and make a full four course meal every evening too? It's already been done. If somebody's just vacuumed the floor, you're not going to come in and vacuum it again. If somebody has just cleaned your car and filled your tank up with gas, you're not going to go clean your car and fill your tank up with gas. It's already been done. That's that over-functioning, under-functioning dynamic. So sometimes the less you can do, the more they end up doing. And no, it's not instantaneous. Sometimes it takes a while. But you can't care more than they do. Being a good partner doesn't mean doing it all. It means letting them participate too. It means not taking that away from them. Now, there's a balance in that because you don't want to set somebody up intentionally. You don't want to go from this over-functioning where you've done everything to suddenly under-functioning and not doing anything and then being like, aha, you didn't do it. You're not prepared. You're not serious about this relationship and making it mean something that it doesn't mean. Creating rules, having routines or asking. Good communication helps you to know what your partner expects from you and what you expect from them. It helps them to know what you expect from them. That way, it's a totally different story. If you have rules and expectations and you've communicated and you talk about, this is what you can do for me. This is what I want you not to do for me. This is what I need you to do. This is what I expect. Then you know you know when to back off. You know when to lean in. You know when to ask for clarification. Oh my gosh, asking for clarification is huge. 
So often we have this belief that because we're in a relationship, because we've been married, because we know this person, we don't need to ask for clarification. Oh my gosh, ask for clarification. Sometimes you might like something one way. Sometimes you might like it another way. Sometimes you want someone to bounce ideas off of. Sometimes you want to process it yourself. Sometimes you want silence. Sometimes you want to talk it through. Sometimes you want somebody else to just make the decision for you. And sometimes you want to fully be in charge and make the decision for yourself. But unless you ask for clarification, you're not going to know. So get clear, talk, ask, allow them to have their own journey and allow yourself to have your own journey. You don't want to take away each other's sense of accomplishment and ownership and pride, especially if your partner is a man. You don't want them to feel emasculated. You don't want them to feel like they're trapped or being controlled by you. That's not an equal partnership. And no, it goes both ways. But for men especially, there's so much cultural stigma around being emasculated and being controlled by a woman. And the truth of the matter is, yes, you can be doing a lot. You can be holding space. You can be inspiring. You can be empathizing and supporting and loving and doing all of this stuff. And you can still let them have their own experience. You can still not emasculate them. And going back to what I said at the beginning, it's a balance. It's the art of, it's not the science of. So in summary, yes, you can support your partner without losing yourself. And here's how. You can do it by being very aware of who you are and who they are. By disattaching to the outcome. By getting very clear on how you feel by being clear on what it's costing you and to ask yourself that. By observing them, by accepting them unconditionally where they're at and not trying to control or direct, but only inspire and empathize. But by letting them have their journey. I would love to talk about the specifics of your situation because all situations are so different. And please know, I know it doesn't feel fair. I know it feels like you're being asked to give and to give and to give and to give and to do so much. But I promise using some of these tools, using some of these tips, understanding some of the stuff we've talked about is going to make you feel a lot better. And it's going to help you know whether you should keep investing or whether it is time to go. Pick up your copy of your Betrayal Recovery Guide at Betrayal 
www.recoveryguide.com and then schedule an appointment with me. Reach out. We can talk and together we can get all of this figured out. Have an amazing week and always remember to flaunt exactly who you are because who you are, not what you do, but who you are is always more than enough. Tune in next time to Flaunt. Find your sparkle and create a life you love after infidelity or betrayal with radio host and live choreographer Laura Cheadle every Wednesday at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. Eastern Time on syndicated Dream Vision 7 Radio Network. Develop naked self-worth and reclaim your confidence, enthusiasm, and joy so you can create a life you love and embrace who you are today. Download your free Sparkle Through Betrayal Recovery Guide at NakedSelfWorth.com.